Thank the Lord for this meeting this morning. We've gone around the world and uh, we see that God's at work all around. He's at work here too. And I thank God for what he's doing these days. The messages from each one is great. Thank God for it. I see cooperation taking place here. And uh, brethren in unity. Unity of message. Unity of heart. Unity of purpose. And we need to enjoy these days because... Pretty soon we'll be thrust again out yonder alone as we make our stand for Christ. God's power flows in the stream of God's purpose. God's power flows in the stream of God's timing. God's power flows in the stream of our obedience to him. I'm glad that my folks can be here today. There's about eight of them from church. Made the trip down. I think they've all arrived now. It's coming and we thank the Lord they can be in this atmosphere. Dr. Stewart used to say that atmosphere is everything. I believe that's so. I believe that's so. So we need to stick together as we look at the great truths in the Word of God. Man was going fishing with his friend. And he wasn't too well acquainted with him. They were just staying nearby. And he said, you want to go fishing in the morning? He said, yes. And so they went out in a boat together. And lo and behold, the fellow fell over board. Well, he tried to help him. He reached down to get his leg and his leg came off. And he reached to get his arm and his arm came off. And sure enough, he reached to get it up here and it came off. He said, now fella, if you want me to help you, you're going to have to stick together. (laughs) We're going to have to stick together. (laughs) In unity, a message on the grace of God. I hear two heresies preached up uh, around where I minister. Number one is conditional election. That God looked down and he saw that you would believe, therefore he chose you. That's heresy. We don't know why he chose us. Well, I'm glad of it. The second heresy I hear preached is unconditional salvation. 
Salvation is conditioned upon repentance and faith as our brother preached. What are you saying, Brother McGuire? I'm saying to all Calvinists this. Election or no election. If you don't come by repentance and faith, you'll go to hell. Then the truth of lordship. I want to say a word about that because affected missionaries sitting before you this morning, affected men across the country, I now receive two or three calls a week from young preachers that they're pushing them to the point and pressuring them out of their churches as they preach the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Openly attacks are coming now on this great truth. Religious articles and papers and uh, seminaries and colleges and uh, let me put in a word for the college here we support it we believe in it we talk it across the country we believe it's the only one you can find with the right message that I know of in the Southland you know of one let me know I'd like to talk to you I wrote to several men who are ministering across America. I wrote to Vernon McGee. I wrote to Swindoll. I wrote down to Dallas. I wrote to I was seeking information on the Lordship of Christ. I have letters now on file from these men instructing me that the Lordship doctrine is heresy. the one, the sword of the Lord. You say, Preacher McGuire, you shouldn't mention names. I'm just using the abbreviations. <laughs> like Brother Tom said the other night, why the preachers in the Bible just mentioned names. They didn't know any better than they did. The one in the sword of the Lord, he wrote back and said that I must be connected with the charismatic movement. That lordship doctrine is connected with the charismatic movement. If you would take, I wrote him a letter and told him that we couldn't discuss the matter because he didn't understand what we're talking about. If you'd take some and put their brains in a mockingbird, it'd fly back at <laughs> If Romans 10.9 is not at the front door, then I'd like to know what door it is. Front door. And I believe that Luther was right when he said this. <clears throat> If I profess with the loudest voice and the clearest exposition every portion of the truth of God except precisely that little point in which the devil and the world is attacking at the moment 
I am not confessing Christ. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. So fellas, watch out. For this is the point where they're coming at you. Well, yesterday we talked about the justice of God. The God of revival is a God of justice. And he does right. He does right when he saves sinners. He does right when he damns sinners. He's a God that does right. I hope you got that settled in your heart. God will do right toward everything. He's a God that does right. Then we pointed out that sinners are in the hand of an angry God. He's angry with the wicked every day. We put it and we say God is angry with the sin of the wicked. The Bible doesn't say that. Angry with the wicked. Who produces the sin. And then we turned it over. God in the hands of wicked men. As our brother touched this morning, if men had their way, they'd pull God off the throne. Wasn't enough for them to kill Jesus. They had to do it in the way that they did. They hated him. Hated him. Looks like in the churches we've caught a little bit of that. We hate God in the churches in as much as he will not let us tell him who he's going to save. He refuses that. He refuses to let us tell him how to run his own business. We'd love to, you know, but he refuses to let us. He refuses to let us help him measure out his justice. We'd like to do that, but he won't let us. He won't let us. My Bible's open at Psalm 4. Psalm 4 and verse 4 and 5. Stand in awe Stand in reverence and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah said, Stop and think of that musical term. Stop and think of that. Verse 5 Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Staring God right in the eye. Staring God right in the eye. That can be the most comforting truth in all the world or the most frightening. God knows the best about us, knows the worst about us. 
I've had men to come up to me and they're going to tell me how sorry I was. And I said, somebody beat you to it, God told me. Already. He knows the worst about me. And he knows the best about us. But he also know what he knows what he's going to do with us. I'm glad of that. But we're looking him straight in the eye this morning. Eyes of the Lord run to and fro before the earth. This God that has all power. This God that is transcendent. This God who is everywhere present. This is the one that we look in the eye. He's the God of revival. We do not fool him by our doings. He knows us inside and out. We do not fool him if we do not move in the way of blessing. As we hear the word of God and it's brought to bear upon our hearts. And we make pretense. He's looking us in the eye. Preachers, he's looking you in the eye on this lordship truth. And the devil's pushing the battle right there. Go back to your place and go to hammering on it. You say they're about to vote me out now. Hammer some more. Uh, it's one of the greatest honors in the world to get voted out over truth. Amen. You say, Preacher McGuire, you know anything about it? Yes, I know all about that. <laughs> I've been in Briar Patch of Two myself. And I've lost friends of a lifetime over truth. But it was worth it. And I could not compromise truth because my Lord told me not to. And I'm not going to do it. Because I know he's looking me in the eye. David said, stand in awe, stand in reverence. You young people, did you know that God's looking you in the eye? Did you know he knows everything about you? Let me encourage you young girls a little My daughter stayed home till she was 25 years old. She would, uh, <clears throat> some boy would get looking at her and he wanted to date her a little bit. Didn't want to go to church. Didn't want to live right. Didn't want to act right. She said no. They came when she came to me and she said, Pastor, she said this. She said, Daddy, 
Do you think God has anybody for me? That's right. Mother was sick ten years. And that girl took care of the house. Looked after her daddy. It's something to be sick a year. But if you've had long, lingering sickness, you can identify with what I'm saying. She said, Daddy, does God have a man for me? I said, Honey, he has one somewhere. And he'll come along. Keep trusting God. Come along. Sure enough, a boy could go to, he was a deacon in his church. And he'd go to his church. We met early. And he'd ride down to my place. Which we were meeting a little later. He wanted double portion on Sunday night. And he got to looking at her. They've been married now five years. We had a little baby granddaughter came in April. The pastor was up there preaching. We had tickled to death. This young man has a library like a preacher. He reads the old Puritans. He studies the Word of God. He prays. lives for God. He teaches the word of God. God had a man. So don't pick off the first rascal you see, you girls. Just a word in season. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart. Boy, that's good advice. We've gone beyond the day of, medica- of, of meditating on the Word of God. Sitting with an open Bible before God. The worst thing you could do to this generation is to sentence them to five minutes of silence. They don't know what to do on a rainy afternoon. Commune with your own heart. What is Christianity all about? It is personal communion and walking with God as our brother preached last evening. That's what it's all about. I'm here to tell you, if you've got to go back to yesterday, you one day short. How are you getting along with God this morning? Oh, listen to me. God's looking us in the eye. Maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know. And I get out there and the Lord's calling me and he moves me to a place I probably won't have anybody to preach to. Well, if he called you to preach, you preach. Why would he call 
want me to preach if he didn't have people he's going to bring to me. I believe I got the thing backwards. I believe he calls a preacher and then he calls the people to the ministry of that preacher. I've never liked for a place to preach. I preached on the street corner. I preached one on one. I like that. <laughs> one on one. That's good preaching. A lady said to me in a drugstore, she said, uh, the man upstairs is looking after me. She'd just been robbed, you know, in that store. He said, Isn't that right, preacher? I said, I don't know no man upstairs. If you're talking about God, he fills heaven and earth. I had several to preach to, they were all listening by that time. God is a God that is angry with the wicked. He's a God that knows that men hate him and would pull him off his throne. But he's a God that is looking down into our very being this morning. He knows why you came to this meeting. He knows the motives of your heart. That's more important than coming. Why you came. Why you do what you do. All oh, this God looks in upon us. This is the God we worship. He's a God that is accountable to no one. Hear me carefully now. This God that stares you in the eye is accountable to no one. Very few who make the trip in life take time to gaze upon this one. Stretch your brain a little bit this morning. Maybe thoughts of him are a little too much. But the greatest thought that ever comes into our mind is God. This God doesn't give an account to man. We're afraid he's going to get in a mess, so we make excuses for him. We try to defend him. He needs no defenders. Now, hear me carefully. He needs no defenders. Some folks believe that they're called to defend God. I'm here to tell you he needs no defenders. Look at Exodus 4. Exodus chapter 4. At verse 10. 
And Moses said unto the Lord, Oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I'm slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who made who hath made man's mouth? Now watch it now. God's going to get in trouble here. We're going to have to help him out, you know. Look at what it says. Or make it the dumb. Or the deaf. Or the seeing. Or the blind. Have not I the Lord. God takes responsibility here for this. Well, I can't preach election because, you know, that's going to mess up somebody's theory on how God saves sinners. Mess it up. God takes responsibility for what he's doing. Yes. But he is not responsible to anyone. He does what he wants to do. When he wants to do it. To whomsoever he wants to do it. And I like it that way. You dear missionaries sitting down here. I'll say a word to you now. All of the early missionaries. I've read the history of missions and covered it for some 40 years. I'm very interested in missions. But all of the early missionaries, God ever put his hand on and did a work for what we call the old five point Calvinist. Yes, yes, yes. That right, doctor? Amen. Need to read their lives. God used them mightily for him. Not only the doctrines of it, but the practicality of it. They lived it. Here's something they knock you out of your seat. Old George Whitfield turned all his converts over to John Wesley of all men. <laughs> they got along all right. They might have argued a little bit like we do sometimes. Who preached the funeral, George? Man asked Mr. Wesley, said, Do you do you think that we'll see uh, George Whitfield in heaven? He said, I don't think so. I think he'll be so near up to the throne. We won't be able to see him. The reason Mr. Whitfield wasn't afraid to turn his converts over to John Wesley. Wesley was mixed up on something. But no one stood in Mr. Wesley's meetings and 
to be saved. Did not live right. He insisted on holy living. George Whitfield knew that. By the way, old Finney. Finney wouldn't allow that either. How about that? Boy, we come a long notch down, haven't we? We have an awful time making these folks live right in the churches. They just won't do it, and we just try to make them do it. They won't do it. We teach them how. (laughs) They won't do it. If they ever get completely plumb born again, they'll do it. Preacher McGuire, how do you know when you're through the gate? Are you on the way? Come on now. You're not through the gate unless you're on the way. That's narrow too. <laughs> Very narrow. Isn't it? Beware, one that makes the way wider. Jesus makes it. This God is not accountable to anyone. And we don't like that. We want him to give it accounts of himself. We want him to defend his actions. I don't think it's right to argue with God like that. That's why I started yesterday where I did. God gives account to no man. Second truth is that God has no origin. In the beginning, God. That's it. In the beginning, God. The burden of proof is with man. He just says, in the beginning, God. God has no origin. God has no needs. Oh, now. He depends on no one. He is self-sufficient. <laughs> I wish the churches would believe that. You know, God cooperates with human beings and each supplying one and what one likes that the other supplies. And you know, you've heard that story, I know. It's imagined that God likes glory. Therefore, you got to get it, you know, from men and women to supply it. Or it's imagined that God needs love. Need men and women to supply. Some speak of creation as if God was lonely and he needed man because he is lonely. Now, boy, that's good preaching, but it's just not so. That's not so. Amen. 
Now God purposed to create. God purposed to save. God purposed to have fellowship. And I'm glad he did. But he wasn't obligated to. He didn't owe us anything. Not one thing. Boy, this is kind of God looking down on us. Psalm 63.8 says, Follow hard after God. Not just follow. Follow hard after God. To know Him in His majesty. To know Him in His power. To know Him in His holiness. And preached here. And yet, we cannot know God except only as He reveals Himself to us. And until we are willing to be changed by the revelation He gives. I don't believe God gives truth to anybody that's not honest. I mean, I'm kind of, you know, hung up on that, but that's so. He gives truth to honest people. And I don't believe he saves anybody that's not honest. Brother Tom preached the other night, the only, out of the four... It was just one good ground and it went down into a good and honest tart. Now that's a development, but it came that way too. And if you don't intend to be honest with God's truth as it comes to your heart and you're willing to obey it as it comes, You'll not get one speck of light. You'll be at camp meeting and enjoy everything and all of that and go home without anything. This God is a God who's looking us in the eye. He's a God of redemption. He's a God of the universe. He's a God of holiness. He's the God that knows us, self-sufficient, eternal. He's one that has eyes to penetrate. You know what penetration is? There's, let me give you an illustration. I was traveling up there in the mountains near Cherokee and run over one of your good skunks up there. And that thing just permeated that car. I'm telling you. (laughs) It fixed us up.
the great truth of God looking in on us, knowing us. But the greatest thing that I can think of this morning is that this God knows me. I'm on the palms of his hands never out of his sight (laughs) said he put my sins behind his back blotted him out remembers him no more that's the God of revival amazes me how that God has a way of remembering what he wants to remember and he has a way of forgetting what he wants to forget have you ever noticed in your Bible it says Abraham did this and goes on and gives many chapters it says Joseph did this gives many chapters then you come to some folks and all you have is their name nothing else the greatest thing that God could say about a lot of us is nothing. What's your name? He remembers and he forgets. And how can God forget? <laughs> you think it through. And just put your line down and watch it go out of sight. But that's the God. Oh, if we could understand all these things, we wouldn't worship him, would we? I wouldn't worship a God that I understood all about. There's a mystery about him. By the way, preachers, folks ever find out how you can get on your knees and get the message for that Lord's day and it fits everybody that's there they won't listen to you either there's a mystery about it about our God boy that's going to make heaven great (laughs) the mystery of God himself Somebody said, and I get to heaven, I want to ask him all these things. Boy, I I don't know. (laughs) I do think that all of the Armenians become Calvinists then. They are now when they pray, they head in that direction. But... Want to be glorious? Have you thought about those that God is bringing now across your path in this meeting? You're hearing them across the world. Pastors across America. Isolated, standing for the same truths. Then think about the great gathering over yonder. <laughs> I think about sometime the old timers, Brown Caldwell, strange man, great preacher. Brother Barnard, who taught me truth, 
one of the meanest preachers you could find anywhere. Joe Parson prayed himself to death. They gather no yonder. Brother Rogers. Boy, what a preacher he was. Teacher of the Word of God. They gather no yonder. My heart's encouraged. Brother Tom, my heart's encouraged to see young men raising up. With the same truth. You think about it, I'm 60 years old and I'm looking back now over 40 years of ministry. And if the Lord tarries is coming, and I'll go the way of all men. That's why I'm so greatly interested in this college. Young men coming up to have the right message. Just don't run until you get the right message. Don't run without a message. Thank you for listening. But when you bow your head and close your eyes today, or especially when you're alone, you're looking, you're staring God right in the face. He's looking in upon us.